So let's just uh, give Larry a big old hand and just bless him in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Byron, thank you. Wow. Great. How long has it been since we've been here? Uh, like three years? Four years? Four years? Byron and Becky? Two? Two? Three? We were here with Uncle Bob last time, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, the king of rap, as I call it, Bob. Bob's, Bob just loves his church. He's a, he feels like, he goes, yeah, I'm a papa down there. So, so, so he is. He's a papa here at this church. And we love that. And I actually brag about you guys now and then. I tell people now and then, there's a church in Mooresville. That I, I travel all over the place. I just like that church. It's a great church. And the pastors are great and the leaders and, and the worship. And don't I? And I talk about it now and then. So I'm making you famous out there. I'm making you famous. So I right, will take that offering again now. Uh, kidding. <laughs> They should have said that earlier. That's true. That is true. That is true. So um, I was a little bit uh, combobbled there when you said, you know, you started 11 o'clock ago. And that's the kind of church I want to go to. I didn't know you had two services. I thought you meant your first service is at 11 o'clock. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Woo, boy. Nice Starbucks time and everything. I've lost my notes here. I think my notes got raptured and I was left behind. Um, <laughs> looking for it here. <laughs> but anyway, it is, it is, uh, I've already said it's good to be here. Yeah, I think it did. Uh, I believe it did say that. Man, what happened to, look here, there, oh, there they are. There they are. Anyway, good. Well, great. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Let me just say hello to the Lord this morning. I've hardly had a chance to do that. And so I just need to, because we've been packing up and getting out of there. We were leaving Morningstar. Bobby Connors was preaching, you know, and, you know, anytime Bobby Connors is preaching, you, you, you want to pick up. I got a couple of things he said. He goes, well. But anyway, uh, so, Father, we thank you. We thank, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity at this wonderful place. And I do believe that the anointing is relative to proximity and that you put your anointing on people, places, and things. And certain places and peoples carry a residue uh, of the anointing and it becomes an epicenter of the anointing. And I feel that here, every time I come here, this epicenter of something shaking, something wonderful that God is doing, not only here, but in other epicenters around the nation. So, Lord, thank you for bringing us here, and thank you for the people being here. And we all thank you, Lord, for just being a part of this wonderful thing you call the kingdom of God. And although things are shaking around us uh, in the natural, you're also shaking in the spiritual, and you're shaking everything that can be shaken and we just thank you, though. Lord, we need a good shaking. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your shaking, your embrace, your love, your hand upon us, uh, your, your awesome kindness toward us. And we just thank you. You're just outrageous, Jesus. You're just incredible. We love who you are. We love mostly how you love us because you love us unconditionally. You love us when we don't love ourselves. You love us when we're not being good. You love us when we're bad. And the good, the bad, and the ugly in us, you love us. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for your wonderful gift to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. piece of scripture I'd like to share with you this noon uh, would be out of First uh, Peter. Uh, the book of First uh, Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It's just one, one particular, one piece of scripture. Um, my little wife has to go lie down. She threw a rib out or something in her back, and 
it's just been it's been very difficult uh, for her, and um, so um, that's where she's going to have to go. So just we'll just pray for her, Father. Heal that rib, you know, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope it's not the rib that came from me, you know, like Eve had a rib that was maybe my rib that's been getting out of whack. I'm not sure. Just couldn't pass that up. Um, so anyway, so if you're in First uh, 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 Peter uh, 4.10, I want you to just stay there for a minute. I'm going to refer to another piece of Scripture that I don't want you to turn to. And I'd like to use this other piece of Scripture as a backdrop to what I'm going to say. Or as I can say it like this, sort of a canvas that I want to paint paint uh, upon from 1 Peter 4.10. And so don't turn there. Just trust me when I read this. Because I want to talk to you about an enlargement of what I feel is the gifts of the Spirit that God is pouring out in the church and in the nation. And, uh, and I'm saying that because of this. I want you to hear this. I call this the law of gifting. The greater the size of the difficulty, the greater the outpouring and intensity of the gifting to compensate for the difficulty. And you see that through the scripture, the greater the disease, the greater the anointing to neutralize that disease. The greater the need, the greater the outpouring of God's spirit. So the law of gifting is the greater the problem, the greater the intensity of the gifting to compensate for that problem and to neutralize that problem. So it doesn't take um, a prophet to know that there's a great uh, need in the land right now. Things are shaking economically, spiritually. Uh, morally, uh, politically, there's uh, weather-wise, there's just a lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. I'm telling you, um, uh, whoever wrote this song was prophetic. I think it was Elvis. I'm not sure. And by the way, I just want to let you know he is dead. So uh, just in case you don't know that down here. But anyway, I, I, I know there's a lot of shaking going on, and I know there's a lot of difficulty out there. But what the Lord was saying to me this morning as I was coming up here I was thinking, you know, it's just like the Lord, that when, when the enemy turns up the heat, turns up the volume, the decimal, what do you call it, de, what do you call it, sound decimals? Decibel. Decibel, yeah, that's what I said. The decibel, in the original Greek, is decimal. So, and, and the decibel, he turns that up. The Lord reciprocates with equal volume or louder volume. And so what happens when the enemy acts, the believers react. And we react through the power of the Spirit because God gives us a God deposit that is equal or greater than the difficulty that we face. So I'm convinced that all the trouble we're having in the nation and stuff is just an opportunity for God to increase us in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit and for us to overcome the difficulty uh, so greatly um, that we will be uh, actually thanking God for, for the difficulty that's come in our life because it will have stretched us to facilitate the Spirit of God to be poured out upon a nation. And so how does that happen? We know there's a lot of ways. One way is the gift of the Spirit. So I believe we're in for an enlargement of spiritual activity, and God is supersizing the gifts of the Spirit. So let me just give them to you very quickly, again, as a, as a canvas for, for this little thing I'm going to paint. It's hopefully paint, see, speak, whatever. A backdrop would be a better word. First Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, and the word there is pneumaticos charismata, which means pneumaticos, meaning pneuma is the breath. The word spiritual there is breath, and the plural of that is pneumaticos. So what Paul is saying is concerning the, the breath of God, the breath of the Spirit, and the word gift is charisma, which is a free endowment from God. Concerning the breath of God's free gift, I do not want you to be unaware. One translation says uninformed. So I'm telling you this morning, what's about to happen in the church 
uh, pneumaticos charismata. God is about to breathe the spirituals into the church. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I want you to be aware of what's about to happen to you as the church. He said, now, here it is. He begins to delineate, and he begins to say or explain what he was saying. He says, now, there are diversities, or there are varieties of gifts, but you must understand it comes from God. It's the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are differences of effects or outcomes, but the same God who works all things and all persons. For to one, and he begins to list these gifts of the Spirit. These expressions of the Spirit, I call them expressions or supernatural expressions. And he says, for one is given to the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the Spirit, to another the effecting or working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing or discerning of spirits, and to another various kinds of linguistics or tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And as you well know, he lists nine gifts of the Spirit, because nine is the numerical number of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, you'll find nine fruit of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine speaks of the blessing or the overflow of spiritual anointing through the breath of God. So what I would like to do is just break them down into three categories real quickly, because I'm going to tell you the category, or, you, or maybe you'll discern the category that you fit in. I believe there are three categories of pneumaticos charismatas, or spiritual, or the breath of God's spirit. And the three categories are found here, because three times three is nine. There are three gifts in each category that seem to be uh, 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 flow together in one stream, and it seemed to have a kindred DNA with these gifts. So when you find one of these gifts in one category, you'll find the presence of at least two more of these gifts. So here they are. And I call these gifts are expressions of God's anatomy. There is, and let me tell you what I mean by that, there's the hand of God, which is the expression of miraculous power. Let me show you those three gifts. I call them power gifts, utterance gifts, and revelation gifts. Power gifts is the expression of miraculous power, which is the hand of God. Utter's gift is the mouth of God. You ever seen people that have the mouth of God or people that have the hand of God? And then revelation gifts are the eyes of God, are the expression of heavenly insight. So we have three categories of spiritual giftings that parallel the anatomy of God in a sense of there is the hand of God, which are the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the working of miracles. And when you see this hand of God extended, when you see someone with a healing, you can be sure they have also working in them the gift of faith and the working of miracles because they're all cousins and they're all in the same particular pod of spiritual gifting that God has given to the church. So there are people sitting in here today that have the uh, hand of God in your life and your ministry is an extension of God's hand and there's a power anointing upon you. And you have faith, gifts of healings, and working of miracles. And I just want to tell you that God is going to increase that, and you're going to see a stronger hand and fingerprint of God in your life. If you have a miracle ministry, get ready for a supersize. Get ready to start doing miracles that are astounding. Get ready for God to use you in healings that are extraordinary. So the hand of God is here, and in the church there is the utterance gifts. The utter's gifts, again, are uh, the hand of God is expressions of miraculous power. The utter's gifts are ex expressions of divine utterance. 
And what I mean by that, that is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues are the expression of the mouth of God. It's divine utterance. And so there are people in this room who have the gift of divine utterance. And I mean that you prophesy. The word prophecy or prophesy comes from the Greek word prophetia, which means to foretell or to foresee uh, uh, the future and to speak into the future. That is prophetia, to prophesy. But tongues and interpretation of tongues, I don't have time to go into this. I'm just going to throw this out here. We have that in the church. We know that is the unknown tongue. But there's a whole, there's a whole, whole lot more than just that. I believe that people that have the gift of prophecy also have the gift of tongues, which to me is a linguistics, which is the gift of languages. And this is what I mean, and, and this is not my message. I just want to say this very quickly. If you have a prophetic gift, then you probably also have tongues and interpretation of tongues. But, and although you have that in a christian church context you also have that in a more contemporary context and this is what i mean with that if you have a prophetic gift and then that means you have the gift of speech your, your linguistics uh uh, uh you have the ability to speak uh to be lingual or to be bilingual and so are trilingual and so here's trilingual meaning this that you have the ability not to just go but you have the ability to talk in the language of the culture that you live in in other words as a prophetic ministry if you have god is increasing your gift of tongues to talk in the language of business or to talk in the language of the arts or to talk in the language of politics or to talk in the language of technology or to talk in the language of music god is about to release a different kind of tongues in the church than we're used to and that's the ability to communicate in the into our culture in a way that they understand and it's a supernatural gift that we've not been trained for and not only that, we will be able to interpret uh, cultural language and so that we understand what is happening. And I'm meeting people all the time who have what I believe is this particular kind of gift of tongues. Because, listen, if we just stay with Shandalabaka Shandai, you know, the whole time, they're just not getting what we're talking about. But when you begin to talk to him in, in, in a God-inspired language like Joseph, God inspired him to talk in the language of corporate Egypt. And he became a pol politician, a leader, and a, and a, and a sub-king in the land of Egypt, and a businessman because he talked the language of business, and he talked the language of numbers. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the gift of tongues. Anyway, I don't want to fight you over that, but let me just move on real quickly. And number three... There are people here who have revelation gifts, and that's the eyes of God. That's the expressions of divine insight, and here's what they are. They're the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom, because it all comes by revelation, by seeing, by eye. It's the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. Now, when you take these three pods... Uh, you know, and are these three categories of spiritual gifts, you'll find out that they often flow together in one stream, making it hard to, defend, uh, to make a, uh, a difference between where one begins and one stops. If you're prophetic, you know, and you're, and you're prophesying, you, you may go from tongues, you may go to prophetic, you may go to word of knowledge, you may go to word of wisdom, and then here comes the word of knowledge for healing, and here comes... And so I'm not trying to separate these gifts because it's... The Scripture says here they're all different effects, but it's the same God and the same Spirit that gives them and works them in us. But just for the sake of teaching, I'm trying to break it down in bite size so that you can understand where you fit in this genre of gifting. 
So some of you may be the hand of God. Personally, I'm the mouth of God because that's about all I do is talk. <laughs> anyway, I wake up in the middle of the night sometime, Brad, and I go, I can't believe I, 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 my vocation in life is it's just talking. And that's not that I have a lot to say. I go to churches and go, this is, this is it. There's a, the, the prophetic guy's coming. wonder what he's got to say. And I come here and I go, hey, something's coming. Let's bless him. Let's bless him. Oh, they bless me, send me back. They get me back next year to come back and I say, something big's coming. Everybody's going, yes. What is it? Not sure. I just know it's big. Come back the third year and they go, it's closer than you think. Right around the corner. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Now, the Lord, I can't believe. This is the best life in the world. I just get to talk. People pay me to talk. Anyway, some of you may have a big, I mean, some of you may have an utterance gift. Starting to say big mouth. Some of you may have a mouth that, that you talk, you like to, to express. I love to teach. I love to talk to God's people. And I understand what the gift of a teacher is. In my book, the gift of a teacher is not making simple things deep. The gift of the teacher is making deep things simple. And the problem we have in the church is we think we have teachers who, I mean, we know they're a teacher, quote-unquote, because when we walk out, we don't have any idea what they said. We just know it was, we just know it was deep. You go, whoo, that was heavy. And the Lord said to me, you know what the true gift of the teacher is, son? It's not to tell people who are Christians filled with the Spirit something they don't know. If you tell them something they don't know, you're not in the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is where you're able to articulate what everybody knows in their spirit that they weren't able to say. So all you're doing is helping them express what they already know. So when I look around and say something, everybody goes, oh, I knew that. I just couldn't say it quite like that. I know I've hit the mark. So some of you have utterance gifts. Some of you have the revelation gifts. Let me just see the hands you think you may have, like discerning experience, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. That's it. I have it, so I'm discerning more people should raise their hand. <laughs> raise your hand. That's good. You have that. Some of you may have all three, plus a foot. I don't know. But then there's power gifts. Some of you are the hand of God. Some of the utterance of God. Some are revelation gifts. Okay, set that aside. That's the, that's the foundation. God is going to supersize. You know, McDonald kind of supersize with cheese. He's going to supersize this expression of the Spirit in the days to come. I'm telling you, there is a download coming from heaven. There is an upgrade coming that is going to blow the mainframe of our computers. God is about to up us and put some more wattage in us, and we are going to be people of the Spirit. And we are going to express spiritual gifting in a way that's not offensive, in a way that our culture will be able to handle it. And you know the best way to do that is, is don't start out by saying, thus saith God. Don't do that. Matter of fact, I tell prophetic people that I train, when you're learning to prophesy for the first five years, you should leave God out of your prophecies. And just say, you know, this may not be God, just may be me. You know, here's just what I think. This could, you know, I don't know. Matter of fact, I just feel a song I just want to sing to you, you know? Like, you are so beautiful to me, can't you see? You know, or something like that. I, you know, and just, and if it's, and if it's God, 
they're, going to, they're not going to go, hey, I'm not receiving that because you didn't say, thus saith the Lord. Because the world don't even care about if you say, thus saith the Lord. And if it's not God, and you go, was that right? And they'll go, no. And they go, no, nah, I didn't think so. There's no risk. Why did I get into that? But anyway, so we're going to heal more. We're going to speak more. We're going to receive more. And God is going to pour out an extraordinary um, measure of gifting and enlarge our sphere of influence and enlarge our gifting and our capacity to facilitate the divine. And I tell you what, that is what's going to offset the difficulty in the world. Now, having said that, set that aside, let's go back to 1 Peter um, 10 and verse what did I say? 14, right. Did I say that? That's what I said. Chapter 4, thank you, Brad. Chapter 4, verse what? There you go. Chapter 4, verse 10. Because Peter picks up the theme that Paul began in the book of Corinthians. Uh, by the way, that was the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, um, I believe it was 12, yeah, 12, 1 through. And Peter picks up this theme, and he begins to tell us how that we can, how that we can practically and fundamentally begin to, to release these gifts. And I'm going to give them to you. It's very simple. He just says two or three things, and I love this one scripture because it encapsulates, because it says... Uh, <laughs> What I believe that Paul would have said if Paul would have, you know, continued to instruct the Corinthians about the gifts of the Spirit. And here's what he says. He says this, I think. He says, as each of you have received a special gift. That word gift is the word charisma, which is the same word that Paul uses that I just talked about, the nine gifts, charismas, free endowments, gratuities. For as each of you that has received an endowment or a charisma, a special gift, underline that because I want to talk to you about that just for a minute. As you receive that, employ that same gift, the King James says. The NAS says, employ it in serving one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, there are three words there that I want to highlight and talk to you about in this order, and they are, as everyone has received, I want to talk about a spiritual or a, or a um, specific gift, or he calls it a special gift. I want to talk to you about your special gift. Secondly, we're to employ it. So I want to talk to you about employing that gift, or employing this special gift, or receiving this special gift. All right? Well... Do I want to do that? Okay. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, I want to talk about how to receive that gift, because that goes in with a special gift. And lastly, he said, you use it as a good steward. And I want to talk to you about stewardship over your gift. This won't take long. I can do this in four hours and just like that. <laughs> I'll try to cut it down here. So here we go. A special gift. Each one of you... Paul, uh, Peter says, has a special gift. That is an echo of Paul's writings that God has dispersed and distributed into the body special gifts, our gifts, our charismas of the Spirit to every man. To each one, he says, that includes all of us, has been given, etc., etc., etc. Peter picks up this same thread of revelation and says, 
every one of you have received a special gift that has been given to you. Ephesians 4, 7 puts it like this. He has given all of us a special gift according to the measure of the generosity that is in Christ. So what I want to say to you to begin with is that I don't care who you are, what your, whatever your status is in the church or not in the church, what you do or what you do not do, as a born-again son or daughter of the living God, you have become the recipient of a special charisma from God. You have a gift from God that has been granted you at your born-again experience, and you carry a God deposit in you. Paul puts it this way, that Christ in us is the hope of glory, because we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. So one thing that, that bothers me as I travel the nation is I see different people, Christians, many Christians, who feel like they have nothing to offer. They don't understand that the Scripture clearly says that every human being that is breathing, that has accepted Christ, has had a, a gift of the Spirit given to them by God. It may be dormant, it may be embryonic, it may be unrecognized, but it, it is an embryo, embryo form perhaps, or it could be developed, don't know. I just know that every person sitting in this room has a special gift of God according to the generosity of Christ. Because with salvation comes a gift. I call it the happy meal syndrome. And let me tell you what I mean by that. When God saves us, as I said, and we receive Him in His Spirit, with that gift and with that package, that Happy Meal, comes a special gift. It's free of charge. And this is how I stumbled on that revelation. I had my grandkids loaded in the car, and we were going to McDonald's. Now, I personally think McDonald's is a godsend. I don't know what you think, but I personally think it's manna from heaven. Especially a double cheeseburger, you know, a quarter pounder Mac with fries in a chocolate shake. So I take my grandkids there, and I get them all lined up. We were living in California at the time. We're at the McDonald's, lined up. And I go, what do your kids want? You know, of course, you know, they won't eat the junk food. They don't want to eat the real nutritious stuff like the the Big Mac and stuff. They they go, "Uh, we want a Happy Meal. Happy Meal. Everybody wants a Happy Meal. I'm thinking, Happy Meal at... You know, and I'm thinking, because it's not getting it. Why do they want a Happy Meal? Because it's like cardboard and ketchup with three fries on it. It's like, it's horrible. So my grandkids are playing. I order their Happy Meals. I order my double quarter pounder with cheese with supersized fries. I order that and order their Happy Meal. And I set their Happy Meals down on the table. We go outside and they're playing in the playgrounds. They come running to the table. And as they run to the table... I notice they're not even eating. They're looking through their box for their free gift. Because it's not about the box. It's not about the cut. It's about the gift. There's something in the human psyche, in the human nature, that loves, being, that loves the mystery and mystique of something unknown being given to them, the serendipity, the, the surprise, the accidental discovery of something wonderful. 
And as I'm watching, I'm going, you kids eat. And they're so like, they're so excited. They're grabbing each other's gift, you know, just like in church. They're grabbing each other's gift, you know, and like, that's my gift. And, and, they're, and they're like, what did you get? And he goes, well, what did you get? Well, what did you get? And the Lord said to me, <laughs> heaven is like McDonald's. And that's the way the Lord talks to me. There's a, every person that ever got saved just got a Happy Meal. And there's a special gratuity inside, and you don't know what it is, and you won't know till you order your Happy Meal. And I thought, incredible, Lord. I can't believe that. So I have a special Happy Meal. I'm happy. I got saved. I'm filled with the Spirit. But I also have a dormant or latent or undisclosed gift that is in there that has been given to me according to the generosity of Mac- I mean, heaven that I have the pleasure of discovering on my own. It's just for me. <laughs> now, I'm just going to, I said I'm going to, talk, I'm going to talk about it just for a minute. How did they receive this? This is, what really, this is what really triggered me, and God began to further teach me about the Happy Meal and the gift that's inside. This same group of grandchildren I have over at my house the next Christmas. I'm living in San Dimas, California. They're living down in Oceanside. They drive up, and it's Christmas time, and they know that Christmas gifts are under the tree. So they're excited. I'm excited. I'm in the foyer with a, with a, with a, a camera, which is an absolute indication you're getting old. If you're waiting in the foyer with a camera for your grandchildren to come for Christmas, you're past the flower of your age. <laughs> so I'm waiting there with a camera, you know, waiting for my, you know, watching you know, to film them when they come in. And the car pulls up to the curb. Joshua, some of the, they, they, they don't even... Open the door. They're crawling out the window because they're, they're at granddad's house. No, there's, there, there's happy meals. There's free gifts. There's everything. There. It's like I give a, like because granddad, you know, grandparents are incredible. Grandkids. You know why grandkids love grandparents? You know why grandparents and grandkids get along so well? They both have a common enemy. That's why. So they jump out of the car. Because they know I, I give them everything. They got their hand in my pocket, pulling money out of my pocket, you know. And, and you know, one of them's allergic to grapes. And he said, Dad, can I have some grapes? I go, yeah, I have. And he ate three pounds of grapes, and he was sick for two days. My daughter said, Dad, what happened to Cody? Man, it's like he's been throwing up. I go, I don't have any idea. You know, did, did he eat grapes? I go, he might have ate a couple of them, you know. So they come running in the house. The Christmas tree is set up. The Christmas tree's ready. We have all the gifts under the tree, have the names on the gift. Free gift. I'll never forget this because the Lord really taught me something important about this. As they come into the house, one of my grandsons just let out a war hoop, just like screamed at the top of his voice and literally did a dive like you're going into home plate. And he went right into the Christmas tree, under the tree, and grabbed the gift, started ripping the paper. He didn't even look at the name. Didn't even see his name. Just, just like he was so excited. And my daughter was so mad. She said, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand we have to eat first? You can't open your gifts. And I'm thinking, that's right, you know. Tear him up a little. Don't, don't tear him up too bad. But, you know, and she was, and, and I'm thinking, what is wrong? I said, son, you don't do that. There's protocol here. And we have to eat first. And then like we're going to go, you know, um, Gracie, yeah, here's yours. And, you, and you're like, um, yeah. <laughs> Alex, will you stand up? Are you here? Yeah. 
Wait, I'm getting an Alex over here. I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's Alex. This is for you. And as I'm thinking that, the Lord said to me, I wish that the church was like your grandchildren, like your grandson. I said, what do you mean? He said, to have the kind of excitement and the kind of lack of inhibitions that, he said this, I wish you knew how to dive under the tree of life. My son left gifts under the tree. And you're waiting for protocol in church. You're waiting for somebody to call your name before you get your gifts. He said, I wish you would just dive under the tree and rip all the gifts up. He said, even if you get the wrong name, I'll, I'll, it's all right. I, I, I'll straighten it out later. And this is what he said to me. This is what the Lord said to me. Every day is Christmas in the kingdom of God. Every day. And there's a gift under the tree. And the reason we don't realize it's Christmas and the reason we don't get the gifts is we're just too cool to go, jump under the tree and grab the gift. We're sitting at the table waiting for someone to serve us, waiting for our name to be called. I know I'll do it, Lord, if you'll have that prophet call me out by my name and prophesy over me what I already knew that another prophet has already prophesied over me that I've already had confirmed that I won't confirm it again until I confirm it again because I have four confirmations on the refrigerator and one that's hanging from the rearview mirror of my car. But, Lord, is this you? Paul puts it, so as many as receive the gift, (laughs) he says here, employ it. If you've received it, and that word, by the way, the word receive there is not a passive word. The word receive there actually means to seize by force. Look at that. Uh, The English English language in that translation from the Greek is very passive. Because we think of the word receive as a very passive, like, I just... Like this. This is received for us. But listen, there's different kinds of receive. Jesus said that if you want to receive the kingdom, it's taken by violence. And those that receive it, take it by force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, sometimes you have to just go for it. Paul said pursue spiritual, no, he said pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You look at that word desire, it is not a passive word. It's a very active word. You know what it actually says? It says the word desire there is to run after, to embrace, to seize by force, and could be translated lust after. Oh, that's a bad word to say on Sunday morning. But we know we've got to deal with that thing anyway, so might as well get sanctified and cleaned up and turn toward the kingdom of God. You ever woke up any morning, God, Lord, I'm just lusting after the gift of knowledge. I think I think I hit a speed bump. So, <laughs> but no, I'm thinking, now listen, what if we lived our lives in the natural world like we lived our lives in the spiritual world with receiving? Because it's all passive in the church. Oh, I, I don't, that's pride if I go after that. I mentioned this the other night, and I'll say it to you again. My wife's not here. It's good. When I met my wife, and I decided, mm-hmm, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> I just didn't go, Lord, I just receive her. In Jesus' name. How stupid could that be? Every time she walks by, I go, I don't want her to know it because I don't want to be proud or anything, you know. But I'm undeserving. God, you don't know what I've been through. And when she walks by, when she's by me, I go, I just, I just receive her. 
No. <laughs> she was in school at Bethel at the time. I'll never forget it. I just, I just pursued her. Scripture says, you know, pursue, lay hands on. You know, I'm, she hates it when I say that, but I don't mean in a bad way. But I mean, you know, it's just like, like, hey, little girl, what's your name? You know, so I, and put my hand on her head, you know, and, and so I start talking to her. I remember she gave me her cell phone number finally. So I'm out, I'm out, I'm out in the parking lot of the church. I'm based out of Bethel at that time, and I'm looking through it. This other student from school who's younger than me. Laura's about seven years younger than me or so, seven and a half. And uh, I was 49, I think, at the time, 10 years ago. No, 11 years ago. She was 42 or 43, but she looked much younger. And uh, so he comes up to me. He says, up beside me. He looks over my arm, and I got it, and it says, Laura. And he goes, hey, dude. I said, who, who's that? So I, I kind of knew this guy in school. I go, Laura. He goes, Laura who? He goes, I said, you know, Laura. He goes, the, the, the blonde in school? I go, uh, yeah. He goes, dude, we got to talk. <laughs> I said, what? He said, dude, I got dubs on her. <laughs> he says, this is a dude guy. He goes, dude, dude, she's mine. <laughs> and I said, what? He said, dude. And he's, he's getting mad. He goes, dude, you're way too old for her. <laughs> that was a challenge right there. And I just said, dude, I got her phone number. You don't. <laughs> I didn't see him around for a while. So what I did is I went home. I said, I don't have time. I'm going to be 50 here next year. I don't have time to go through this long dating. Somebody said, you know, if you guys like each other, you need to date for four years. I said, get behind me. <laughs> I'm a grandfather here. And it's like, I'm going to date for what? For four years? So I just picked up the phone and called her up. I said, you know, I'm just cutting to the chase. I haven't got time to figure out if someone likes me or not. <laughs> I'm going to die pretty soon. So I just I picked up the phone. I said, Laura, this is Larry. She goes, yes. I said, I just want to tell you I'm hopelessly head over heels in love with you. What do you think about that? <laughs> Saith the Lord. No, I'm serious. <laughs> desire is an action word. In the church community, desire is a window shopping word. You know, it's like you, it's like you go by the gifts of the Spirit and go, Oh, I just wish I had that one. Oh, I just, oh, I just wish I had an anointing. Like, oh, so you go window shopping every Sunday morning. And you just go, oh, no, 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 no. The desire Paul was talking about is you take your Bible and break the glass out of that window and jerk whatever's on that mannequin off of there and run as hard as you can. It's like you seize it. You take it by force. You go out. The Lord loves that. The Lord's not here, but I think she liked being pursued like that. She didn't have to think about a decision that way. Well, that didn't work right, did it? But anyway, anyway enough of that. Enough of that. Okay. <laughs> so the paradox of Christianity... <laughs> is grace versus works. We are to walk in grace. We are to walk in humility. But at the same time, we have to take some action. And if you want to gift the Spirit, 
Come on, just try lusting after. I mean, just with your whole emotion. Just wake up the morning and go, Lord, I pursue the gift. I want the gift of prophecy. I want the gift of healing. I'm lusting every fiber of my being is passionate for the gift of healing. Just bug God. Come on. If you aggravate someone that loves you long enough, they will eventually give you what you want. Sure. <laughs> Works for my grandkids. <laughs> All right, let's end this. Get rid of false humility. If God wants me to have a gift, it'll just drop out of the sky on my head. No, I won't. He's given you a gift. You need to recognize it, develop it, chase it, go after it, utilize it, use it. Just have a passion for that gift. Last. Wow. Now, as good stewards, we employ the gift. By the word, that word employ, our even soul minister comes to the, the, the Greek word diakonos, where we get our English word a deacon. One who attends or one who serves. So we're to deacon our gift. You're a deacon over your gift. That means you, you, you use your gift to serve. This is a, it's a deaconing gift. So what do you do with it? You have a resident gift. It's in here. How do you steward something? It has to be, it has to be active. Let me just put it this way. You eventually become what you do. If you do something long enough, you become what you do. Some people are waiting for a title to be given for them. Your function determines your title. Your title doesn't determine your function. You don't need a title. You need to start doing what you have. And if you do your gift long enough, you don't have to think of what it is. People will put the title on the gift. You are what you do. You are what you function in. You leak more than you speak. You exhibit. What flows out of you determines who you are. We're living in a culture of misplaced titles where people's gifts do not match their titles. And it's great confusion in the church, and God is going to somehow deal with that so that our gifting and our title are congruent. So that we, if we are a prophet, you ought to know how to prophesy. If you are a pastor, you should know how to pastor. If you are an evangelist, it would be good to know how to get people saved. That would be a good place to start. But unfortunately, in the church, and I'm talking about me too in my life, we have promoted people to the level of their incompetency. And somehow think that we're going to have this big deal happen in the church when we have nothing but misplaced leadership everywhere. Misplaced gifting. And it's very confused. So the way to deal with that is this. Forget titles. And just begin to function. Get an unction to function. And begin to do what's in here. And if you do it enough, 
One thing, the more you do something, the better you get at it. The more you do it because the more comfortable you get with it. It doesn't mean the gift gets bigger. It means your comfortability level is bigger, and it gives more room to express the gift that was already in you. Hey, I do pretty good in the prophetic, but you should have heard me when I started. Brad, yeah, you've probably done a few of those, hadn't you? You know, thus saith the Lord God, uh, 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 I'm here. That was one of my first prophecies. But I just kept doing it. Then I go, thus saith the Lord God, I'm here, and I love all of you. And then I just kept stretching it and stretching it. Thus saith the Lord God, yea, uh, God would say, I forgetteth what I was going to say. <laughs> Next Sunday I'll have it right, says God. I mean, I just, I made mistakes, stupid mistakes. All kinds of crazy mistakes. But I kept expressing, I kept giving it away. I kept employing my gift. I kept deaconing my gift. I'm just trying to say to you, it would help your pastor and his wife and leaders in his church if you would not expect them to do all the stuff you should be doing. They're called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They're not supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. You're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. You're supposed to be exhibiting the gifts of the Spirit. The pressure is on them. Shouldn't be there. Thank you. (laughs) It should be the pastor's business just... Busy all the time, running around trying to curb everybody because there's such an anointing going on. They don't even have time to preach. Saying, like, you know, well, one of you prophesied, the other interpret, don't do that. And the healing going over here. My God, there's a miracle going over here. I mean, that's what a pastor should be doing instead of doing this, which I call the pastoral constipated look. <laughs> trying to make everything happen. It's all on my shoulders. <laughs> Revival. We've got, to, we've got to have a healing here. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. And just practice it. And if you make a mistake, have the integrity to say, I made a mistake. An honest mistake must be followed by an honest apology. Just say, you know what? I'm just trying. It's not a big deal. I'm just trying. Yeah, let me pray for you. Did you get healed? No. Well, it's not my problem. The Scripture doesn't say I'm to heal you. It's I'm to lay hands on the sick. It's God's job to heal you. It's my job to lay hands on you. Someday somebody's going to get healed if I keep doing that. You know how many times Heidi Baker laid hands on blind people before one of them got healed? You know how many times Heidi Baker stood in my line at Anaheim Vineyard in 1988 and 89 and 90 with fumbling her fingers and crying every time I'd have ministry, she'd come to get a word because she didn't have any idea that her life meant anything. She didn't have a vision. I mean, she'd go crazy. Is there anything God wants to say? I mean, God would you? I'm thinking, oh, poor little girl. You'll, you'll be, someday you'll be all right. My prophetic wasn't working really well right there. Wow. I mean, what she's done has been incredible. (laughs) But she just began to do what was in her heart. So you say, what's my gift? What's in your heart? Well, what do you think? I don't know what my gift's in. What do you do? What's the easiest? What's your love? What's your passion? What's in your heart? What comes out? What tries to come out when you get around people? Then that's probably your gift. Unless it's criticism. That's not your gift. That's a leftover cootie from your pre-Jesus days. 
You picked that up in the Jesus movement somewhere when you were mad at the establishment. All right, let me end this. Paul said a good steward must be found faithful in the job that he does. So if we have these gifts, by the way, the word steward is a manager of a household or, excuse me, a manager of a household or overseer of someone's resources. We are stewards of the gift God has given us. Do you understand I'm a steward of the prophetic? And I'm going to say something that may scare you off. I don't have to prophesy. I, don't, I prophesy when and when I want to, and when I don't, I do not. God gave me this gift, prophetic gift, and he's told me very clearly after about 20 years of having to prophesy, he told me very clearly, son, when you feel pre- you do not have to prophesy. You don't have to be. I mean, this is, I tr- you've grown now. I've given you the family business in this area. It is yours, and how you run that business, I trust you to do that. I go, okay. Then I, when, I don't, when I don't feel like I have prophecy, it's that the Lord's not mad at me. He goes, okay, that's, I wouldn't run my business that way, but that's the way you're running it, fine. That's always another Sunday. He actually told me one time, if you never want to prophesy ever again in your life, you don't have to, son. I'm not making you do anything. You don't, if you're doing something that you don't love that's causing problems with you and that's pressure for you, you probably shouldn't be doing it again. If it doesn't come out of a gladness of heart and a joy and the, the need to encourage people, it's probably good not to do it anyway. So I go through seasons where I don't prophesy much. Mm-hmm. Then I go seasons where I prophesy a lot because I steward. I'm a, I'm a steward. I'm a caretaker over the resource God's given me. And sometimes I just don't have the energy. I'm just not in the place I need to be to do that. Can I do it? I can always prophesy. I can prophesy on demand at the drop of a hat 24-7, seven days a week, but I choose not to. When I was young and stupid, I chose to do it all the time because I was pushing for significance through my gift. And we would do conferences like this, and we'd really, when I was doing the California Schools of the Prophetic and conferences, we would actually put on the flyer, everybody that signs up for the conference gets a personal word from Larry. Ow. And I was there at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then a third of them would be Koreans. I mean, I'm prophesying. You know, and my eyes are closed, I'm sleepy, and I realize I'm saying the same words open look, and it's the same Korean guy that was in the line before. He just ju- kept jumping. I love that about the Koreans. They just go through one line. They just cheat and get in another line. You know, it's like, you know, and, and so anyway. So I, yeah, <laughs> prophesy, impartation. And it was, it was, it was, I wore myself out. I nearly killed myself. And the Lord finally said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm ministering. He goes, no, 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 you're abusing the gift. You're abusing yourself. You're abusing your adrenaline. You're abusing your life. You're abusing your family. Would you stop it? And I had to to steward my gift a little different. Okay, let me end this. Wow. How about this? There's also times, so there's also times that I prophesy. If my gift is prophetic and teaching, I didn't feel like coming teaching this morning. I, we had Starbucks. I was hoping for another Starbucks. So I had half cap. Two half caps makes a real one. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in moderation. <laughs> so 
so let, let me say this now. Let me, so th- this will help, Pastor, this will help your people too. This will, this will be good for you. I have an aversion to the Christianese I feel led or I don't feel led. Sorry. If I offend you by that, I'm sorry. I know the scripture said as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But the diff- the, the, there's a different kind of led that we're talking about. People usually don't do what they don't want to do by saying, I don't feel led to do it. Or if they want to do something and they don't know it's God, they just said, I feel led to do it. What they're saying is, I'm doing this on an emotion. Or I'm doing this on a feeling that I get from God. There's some kind of feeling that I get or that I do not get. So... I had to learn a long time ago that I could not base my gift on whether I felt led or did not feel led. Because my gift is a divine gift from God that's outside the root loop of my emotions and outside the loop of my capabilities. And it operates on a different operating system. And whether I feel led or not led, that gift is operable. And sometimes I don't feel led. I just have to step into that gift and that gift will speak for itself. So it's like, well, what do I do? I don't, I don't feel led. Well, sometimes Nike had it best. Some of the best prophets are out there in the world. Nike said, just do it. And sometimes I just have to do it, Brad. You know, I'm told you just like, I've ministered with 103 temperature like you guys have and mad at everybody and myself and God and it's like the whole bit and go, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Here we are today. And Jesus good. And all of a sudden it works. I mean, because that's my job. I don't have to feel perfect to do my job. I just have to feel obligated to do my job because it's my job. And I'm happy to have this job. (laughs) So I just do it. 90% of the time that I do what I do, I never feel led to do it. Some of the greatest prophetic ministry or healings ever had come out of me not feeling led whatsoever. I is one thing that lead drives me, the love of God. If I feel that on any level, anywhere, any place in the room, it is a cue that I don't have to have everything perfect. I don't have to feel led. I don't have to feel anything because love never fails. Love covers a multitude. Love is the DNA of heaven. I can bank on the fact that if love is in the room, my gift will operate. Because... My gift is attracted to love because my gift was born in love. And your gift was born in the love of the heart of a father who gave gifts to men to alleviate the afflictions of humanity. So I'm going to leave you this. So the best example I can give you is John 2. It's a metaphor, but think of this as far as employing or stewarding your gift. They came to Jesus at a wedding. And they said to Jesus' mother, excuse me, we have ran out of wine. We don't have wine. And Jesus, or his mother goes to Jesus, and she comes back, and, they, and she said this to them. She said to the people in the wedding who had a great need, they were out of joy, they were out of wine, whatsoever he says to you to do, do it. And I come here to tell you this today. Whatsoever God has deposited in your spirit, whatever he told you, whether it be a month ago or 20 years ago, whatever gift he gave you, whatever thing, we need to start doing what God has said. 
not waiting for another confirmation on a confirmation on a confirmation. Extreme purpose in God requires extreme obedience to God. Instant extreme obedience at that moment to God. He said, whatsoever uh, he says, she said, didn't do it. Here's what he said. I want to give you the, if I have any wisdom about ministry, this is it. He said to her, the scripture said there were six water pots after the custom of the manner of Jew. Number six is the number of man. 666 is the number of man, Antichrist. It's in its completeness, a triune man, 666. Man was born on the our birth or made formed on the sixth day. And you know the whole six is a number of men. So let's just say metaphorically the water pots were men. Talk to humanity. It says that they were filled after the tradition of the elders. And this is what this meant. The King James says they contained two or three firkings, which is a very old English word for gallons. They were about 30 to 40 gallon water pots, and they only had about eight gallons of water in them because they were not for use. They were for ceremonial purposes. So what they would do would reach in the water pots and take water and sprinkle it over babies. It was strictly for ceremony. Had, you could not drink the water in these pots. They were not to help anything. It was strictly religious ceremony. What did Jesus say? Fill those water pots with water. Okay, what's water? The water is the Word of God. Water is the Spirit of God. And give you scripture. I'm not going to. You know the scriptures through the Bible, Word of God, Spirit of God. So the first thing I want to say to you, just because you have some of God or some of a gifting, it still can be after the manner of the Jews. It still can be just for ceremony. We need to go beyond ceremony because there's a whole room full of people who are dying from thirst who need wine, who need the intoxicating, delivering power of the Holy Spirit to release them from their inhibitions and from the fears and the Adamic chokehold that's upon their life. Jesus said, fill them, and not only fill them, he said, fill them to the brim with water. I'm telling you the art of ministry. He didn't say if you feel led. He just said, just do it. So I'm telling you, if you have a gift, and you do, and it's in there, you need to fill yourself with the Word, the Word of God. Study the Word, memorize the Word, pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, get yourself full. And then this, this incredible principle is the nexus for my ministry. It, is the, it became the tipping point. It became the connector for my ministry when I learned this principle. Jesus says, now take out of the pot and give to the head of the feast. Okay. And the scripture says, and when the head of the feast tasted the water that became wine. Wait, wait. He said, most men give, you know, good wine at first, save the worst to last, but you've saved the best for last. Okay. When he said, draw out of the pot and take to the governor, what? Did he draw out water? When it got to the governor, what had happened? A transformation had happened. Somewhere between the point of origin and the point of destination, a miracle happened. The water that was taken out out of obedience became wine in the transition when it gets there. So let me just cut to the chase and tell you this. The miracle doesn't happen in the pot. 
Sorry. I'd do it, Lord, if I could just feel that anointing power in me. We want the miracle to happen in the pot. And out of that overflow of, oh, i got the anointing. Come on, come here, lay hands on people. No. The miracle happens out of obedience to fill yourself with the Word of God. So here's what happens. Here's the way it works for me. I realize the miracle never happens in my pot because my pot fills pot a lot. I never feel like a miracle. I never feel like I want to. I never feel really led to do. I feel love. That's sort of my driver. But I, I, I don't feel the, this great goosebump anointing falling out of heaven and going, Larry. You know, you got to go. You know, it's just like, oh, I just like, oh, God, my eyebrows hurt. Like, oh, man, I got this on. I got, you know, oh, man, I'm not regular. It's like, uh, it's like, God, you know. I, I just can't minister out of the feelings on that people use, or out of the, even the feeling of the Spirit of the Lord, because sometimes God feels a thousand miles from me. But you know what? I don't base my gifting, my salvation, my Christianity, my relationship on feelings, because feelings has nothing to do with that. It's not even in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible can you show me where feelings are connected to a relationship with God. Right. Knowing God, Jesus Christ, whom I have known, not feel. Oh, that we may feel Him. No, oh, that we may know Him. So feeling has nothing. I, I don't, feelings out for me. So what I do when I minister, and I'm about to do it in just a second, and then we're going to go, is I am obedient to give away what I have. It may not be wine. I may not feel like it. It may not look like it has a lot of potential, but here's what I do know. It's the miracle of water to wine. I know if I'll do my part, God will do his part. I know that if I will give out of my pot just the word of God, and when it comes out, and reaches the atmosphere, the Holy Spirit takes what is water, grabs it in midair, and turns it into wine, and sinks it into the hearts of those that are thirsty. And what began as just a word from me that had no feeling winds up being delivering intoxicating power that baptizes people in the Spirit because, not because of me, because I was obedient to do all that I could do. And when I went as far as I could go, the Holy Spirit took over and took my gift and transferred my obedience into something that was absolutely extraordinary. And if I hadn't have obeyed, if I hadn't have decided I'm just going to do it no matter what it looks like or what it feels like, the miracle would have never happened. I'm here to tell you, your gift, your miracle, your ministry won't happen as long as you keep it in your pot. You've got to give away what you have. It's the key to ministry. You've got to give it away. you just got to do it. I don't know what you're thinking. If I could just feel like God, just tell me, just tell me. Let me ask you a question. What's the hope of every father and every mother for their children? To have to tell them what to do over and over and over and over again. Like they're 22 and they go, son, brush your teeth. You go say, boy, you know my boy? That my boy's spiritual. Mm-mm-mm. 22 years old. My boy's spiritual. He won't even brush his teeth unless I tell him by the Holy Ghost. Take out the trash, son. You're 23 now. Go ahead. No. <laughs> Call the neighbors over and go, my boy, he is the most deepest spiritual. My children are so deep. They won't even breathe unless I say, you, go, you, you boys breathe. <laughs> What's the hope of every father and mother? The hope of every father and mother is for their children to grow up and do what they should do without being told to do it. 
this thing that I can't do it till I feel led or I feel this special thing. You should be, you should know God's heart enough to know to do what you need to do without having to be led to do it again. The only lead that you need to get rid of is the one in the seat of your pants that's holding you to your chair. You need to get up and just do it. What God would do if, what would Jesus do? You need to get one of those things. What would Jesus do and just do it? Thank you. (laughs) So the gift that is dormant in you, it's not God's responsibility for you to wake up tomorrow morning. All of a sudden, your gift has had some kind of miracle grow, spiritual fertilizer poured on it. And your gift is like sticking out your ears. Like, like I'm the hell, my gosh, what did that happen? No, no. It's your responsibility to recognize, develop your gift, nurture your gift, appreciate your gift, and deliver your gift, minister your gift, employ your gift, and give it away. It's God's job to take that gift after it leaves your mouth and turn it into something wonderful. You don't have the capacity to do that. All you have the capacity to do is to contain it and give it away. That's all that your job is. Contain it, give it away. Get more, give it away. Fill yourself up, give it away. Fill yourself up, give it away. The Holy Spirit started like a, like a, like a home plate going, attaboy, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, it's like, like, throw me that ball. I'm telling you what. Let's go. So anyway. So, Father, we thank you that you're supersizing us. You're supersizing our gifting. You're supersizing us to the degree that we're going to just, we're done with the religious thing, Lord, that, gosh, we, we, we think it's nothing about us and all about you, and it is all about you, but in the sense of your sons and daughters, it's about us too. Help us to be able to embrace your business and do what Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. I must do what needs to be done. Father, we thank you and receive that in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the incredible increase, incredible empowerment of the gifts of the Spirit, the hand of God, the eyes of God, the mouth of God that is going to be extended to the world through your living bride. We thank you for that. We so love you and we so love your gifts. And, Lord, we're sorry for teaching that thing, don't seek the gifts, seek the giver. Lord, we seek you and we seek your gifts. You said to seek your gifts. You said to seek you. How silly that would be to say, I love that person, but I sure ain't going to seek his gift or like his gift. We like everything about you, Lord. We seek your gift. We desire your gifts. We desire your spirit. We desire you. We thank you to help us to just do it. Lord, I don't know how to pray this, but I heard someone say, get her done. But that's all I know. We just need to get her done. Oh, excuse me. That saith the Lord. Get her, get her done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. A couple of things. Pastor's wife, I want to say something to you, just a word of encouragement. I don't feel a great word of knowledge on me today, but I do feel an encouragement prophetically. I don't know where you guys have been, what's going on with still, but I do know this and I walked in here. And I do know that you've been through the desert with a horse with no name. And it's good to be out of the rain. 
so I do know that, and I do know that there's been a time of difficulty. There's been some things that have gotten tight, and there's been some things that have gotten hard. You've gone through a gauntlet of pressure, and there's been some birthing pains. And I saw both of you in the canal of birthing in the last probably year, year and a half, or maybe even two years. I don't know. But there's just been a birthing pain. But I just want to encourage you with two things. That birthing is good. The pain feels terrible sometimes, but when the child is born, the pain is forgotten. So some of the things you've had to deal with in the last year or so, especially that have been hurtful and harmful, and some of the things you've had to contend with, although all were not God, some were God, the bottom line is that really doesn't matter. The bottom line is that God's hand is upon you. And this time of transition that you've been going through, you're going to experience the definition of the word transition. The word transition means to get through something. And you're getting through something. And there's been a spirit of discouragement that's tried to come at you. And it's tried to discourage you. And it's tried to tell you that you've gone this far and you can't go any further. And that has been a limiting word by the enemy that has been spoken to you and your wife to keep you from seeing your potential. Because the potential of your gifting and the potential of this church and the potential of your ministry is limited. I mean, it is the sky is the limit. And God is going to pour out upon you the hunger, uh, the appreciation of what it means and how valuable it is for the position he's placed you in and the office he's called you to and the gifting he has given you. And you're going to see growth. You're going to see, I saw like green buds that, that come out, the little green growth flowers on the stem in the springtime. And I want to say to you, lo, the winter is gone and the spring is here and the sound of the dove is heard in the land. It is spring. If you've been through a winter, a nuclear winter in a few areas, but that is past and God's hand is upon you. And I just want to say it's the time of spring and God is bringing a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And you're going to see that. When I leave here today, as a matter of fact, God's going to help you financially. He's going to help you in other areas of your life. When I leave here today and before tomorrow, there are people in this congregation, there's people maybe outside this congregation who are, are from, just from what I'm saying right now, who are going to be motivated to begin to give to you in a different way, both not only in affection and love, but financial resources. There will be resources come to you today after I leave here that will be God resources as an appreciation. And God says it will be a token for an enlargement of financial uh, well-being that comes from the heart of God. And you're going to know what it means to be lavished by the Spirit of the Lord. He loves you. You have served faithful. And, uh, and God is the rewarder of those that are faithful. And God's reward is upon you as it is upon this church, as it is upon this building, as it is upon this people. This is your time a promotion. I don't know how that's going to happen. I just know that upgrade is here. I just know that it's better. It's not worse. I know that it's sweet and it is not bitter. You have withstood, gone through. And the scripture I have for you is out of the Psalms where David is remembering Joseph and he said, the word of the Lord tried Joseph and found him faithful. And so the word of the Lord has tried. Many, many people think it's the devil. Well, it's been the word. God gave you a vision, gave you a dream like he did with Joseph. Now you've had to wait for it. It's tried it. Now it's time for jailbreak. Now it's time for God to bring you out of the place uh, that you've been in into the place of, of that will make you flourish. So I encourage you. I encourage you. 
very much. And I say, you know, be blessed in the Lord. Because we all, listen, I've done your job. I know what it is to pastor. Pastors are my heroes. It is an impossible job. It is an impossible job. Seen that job, done that job, don't want that job. It's an impossible job. And I just, I admire pastors and what they have to deal with. And I just want to say we love you and we encourage you and we say go for it and don't give up. Don't step back. Put your, and this is what I feel the Lord saying, put your best foot forward. Put your best foot forward. And whatever you're trying to decide to do now that looks like a stretch for you, the Lord says go ahead and stretch yourself. Go ahead and stretch yourself because he's going to uphold you and there's going to be an infusion of finances and resources and encouragement and spiritual um, um, strength that's going to flow into your life. So, Lord, I bless this man and I bless this woman and I encourage you in the Lord. I encourage you in the Lord. I say be of good courage and be of good cheer because you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome this season. You're stepping into a new season. You are beloved by God. And Becky, you are a daughter of destiny. You are a warrior of warriors. You are a a, 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 a destiny, a history maker. And Byron, the same with you. You are a son of destiny. And we would come here today, if nothing else, but just to encourage you. Because the scripture said, those that labor among you are worthy of double honor. And Lord, we declare double honor upon this couple and double love upon them. And we thank you for the spirit of God that penetrates the shell of disillusionment that's tried to come against them and we put it aside and we peel it away and we say Lord thank you for an infusion of the supernatural power and love of God in their life grace I speak to you grace 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 I speak. Say that to them. Grace. Just say it 20 or 30 times. Grace. 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 Grace.